Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Advice for elders and young men. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Peter's final greetings. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with Christian love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. If you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good morning, everybody. Here we are in December. You know, the cliche statements, where'd the time go? You know, can't believe it. You know, grow up so quick. The kids, look at them. How do you seize the day? So it's not just gone. And I remember it being at the beginning of the year, said, okay, there's a whole bunch of goals we're going to want to accomplish. And when we get to the end of the year, we're going to realize we didn't accomplish always what we wanted to. But there's one goal we can't fail in. And that's letting God love us. Because really, that's the only thing that's going to last. Sometimes the chart, you're going to move the ball forward, and sometimes you're going to throw a pick six. 
But one, two, three, somebody tell me we got that victory, right? That's right. Come on. First Peter 5, uh, Peter is great to learn from on so many levels because he walked with Jesus. He's seeing this thing up close and personal. But we relate to him because Jesus starts to recruit him for a clergy position, and he's not the type of person you would think that should get recruited for a clergy position. Let me explain. He shows lack of patience many times, violent behavior. He, when he gets discouraged, resorts back to what's familiar in his old profession, just going out and fishing again because he let Jesus down. He had a complete forgetting and denial of the allegiance to the family and his leader, Jesus. But yet all of these qualities, God was able to move in the places of weakness and begin to display how Jesus' love is different through him. That's the, our invitation this morning where we start to lean in, say, okay, if he can use Peter, he can use me. And in fact, the first time Peter preached in Acts 4, it says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. When you have been with Jesus, you have a boldness, a confidence, a swagger that nobody can take. If you find yourself walking with your head down, you should probably ask the question, God, what do you want to say to me? A lot of times they'll say, I love you. Pick your head up. You're royalty. Oh, but you know what I did? Yeah, yeah, I want to work on the depths of your heart. Let me, invite me in there. Now, when we think of winning the scorecard, we track it, our life, we look at it, uh, you know, inch by inch. I don't know if you saw, but Tiger Woods is back on the golf course this week. And with Tiger back, it's created a lot of just buzz and, and people are following it like crazy. The PR is on an all-time high and everybody wants to know what's going on with Tiger. And when we think of the scorecard of our life, it can't be just what we have and what we do. Because at some point, if you have less, now what are you going to think of yourself? You're less. And if you have more, what are you going to think of yourself? Well, I'm successful. This is why it is anti-gospel, this quick fist fix idea, this seminar mindset, this let's get the best today, live your best now, which is awesome to some degree, but it is not salvation. Because Peter's just reminding us over and over and again, it says, hey, you're going to go through some junk. It's going to be super difficult, but look to Christ because he's overcame the world. Now, in 1 Peter 5, it talks about there's an eternal crown. It's so neat. And we're going to kind of walk through this chapter. So just envision if we were walking and maybe even holding hands. It's okay. Even if you're a guy, we can hold hands. And, and it doesn't have to be weird. And it says greet another, each other with a holy kiss. Talk about being weird now. They have to change it in all these new translations. It starts, even in that one, it said, it said the Christian, I think a Christian greeting. Um, this is the New Living Translation the street lights Bible material, in case you've wondered what that is, how you could get it. It's an organization, nonprofit out of Chicago that's doing phenomenal things. They're a part of so many different layers of ministry, one of which does a lot of life-on-life uh, -life mentoring for fatherless kids in Chicago and in the inner city of Chicago. You don't know if you've seen the death toll, but I think I saw a stat that this summer there were 600 uh, fatalities from 
gang violence and different things. It's kind of like we just brush over it. I heard a fascinating uh, thought uh, yesterday from Rhett in a book, but you know, if one person dies, it's a tragedy, but if like 600 die, it's just a stat, right? But so when one person's going through something in this room, it's, it's real. When many are going through, eh, just kind of gloss over it. So it's easier to say, let's just talk about what everybody's doing good. Let's be honest. That is not what Jesus promised. What he promised you, though, was an eternal home. And he promised you peace and joy in the midst of going through stuff. Insert example after example. Paul, with the weakness, the thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan, asked God to take it away three times. God just says, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay. In my weakness. In my weakness. Shows his power. Epaphroditus almost died. Even Timothy has a stomach ailment. And so let's, let's, let's be clear here this morning. Just lower this idea that somehow God is just uh, all about your happiness today. But increase this idea that God is all about your eternal happiness. And increase this idea too, that Jesus Christ can heal. Oh, the resurrection power is powerful. I pray that people are delivered this morning of all kinds of things. But healing power also sometimes looks like endurance because you learn him in his suffering and his weakness more and more and more. If you're taking notes today in this chapter, 14 little verses, but oh, it's so well. Titled this message, Life is Short, Eternity Isn't. This first Peter 5, it kicks out right at the gate and it says, and now a word to you, who are the elders in the churches? I too am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. I pause there for a minute. Wait, I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Oh, I'm reading Peter talk about what it means to be a Jesus follower, but he was an eyewitness to what happened. He was there. You know, you believe it from somebody when they're there more. You can't always get the nuance of that in the text nowadays. I heard T.D. Jakes say, if Jesus was here today, he'd probably um, be a movie producer. Because uh, movie producers, you can, you can tell the story in just a grand display. You can't get that same text nuance today because we're so far removed from reading and learning and things like that. And that's not to um, discount the authority of reading. Oh my goodness, no. But to know that it should captivate you more, that can you, can you just in, be invited in to walk with Peter this morning? That he saw the sufferings of Christ firsthand. And here he's telling a church that's suffering, that it's okay to suffer, that to keep going, that I see you in your pain. Your pain is gain. There's purpose in it. It's part of the process. Tom Izzo said, man, he can't stand this generation. They always want the benefit, but they want to skip the process, right? He's like, oh, he's so mad about it. But I think that's a little bit of all of us. As soon as TV started, it became increased. And now that it's everywhere, because all we're doing is looking at the highlights. I want it now. Can it be quicker? How do we get there? And this type of idea that says, Peter says, okay, I've seen the sufferings, but one day we're going to share in the glory when he's revealed. So what he's saying there is this, there's a grand finale. Fireworks are weak sauce for the first 20 minutes. But when the grand finale comes, you get to find out what type of heat they're packing. Do they got money or not? Are they good at lighting them off on time or not? Is it a big grand finale or not? When Jesus comes back, it is the greatest grand finale. The whole world will see 
Jesus for who he is. And until then, we get the honor of carrying the good news with us. Through trials, tribulations, victories, or successes, doesn't matter. We carry this good news. Verse two, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over, lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Now here, there's, when you hear the word flock, it's easy to kind of gloss over that. But we're referred to as sheep often because we need a shepherd. We need to stay together. We need to be close-knit. And we're prone to wander. And when one goes one place, we'll sometimes go another place. And sometimes the shepherd has to come in with the staff, kind of beat us into a right direction carefully, uh, but also you know, beat off the, the evil one, trying to come destroy the flock. But we must be honest today and say, it's okay, we're all sheep. But sheep's in the Lord's flock, which gives us a new type of confidence. These are qualities. See, God is the CEO of this movement. We've been entrusted as stewards. Now, the term steward would be a word picture like this, that we're managers and one day the owner's coming back and he wants to collect and he wants to see and he wants to investigate how you've taken care of what's his. Our relationships, his. Our resources, his. Our jobs, his. His glory, everything, God's. Insert every good thing you have. God gave it to you. God gave it to me. The Lord is in charge. Now, we have a low view of spiritual authority, don't we? We don't want anything to do with the conversation. Authority? No, no, no. This Jesus thing's personal. Really? Is it so personal that he's instituting elders, that he's instituting uh, order, that he's instituting a flock and assignments and direction and his word and writing and correcting the church? And why is he doing that? Not to beat the church down, but to exercise love and encouragement and excitement. Now, I recognize this. A lot of us have been beat up by some leadership. For real. I think heaven would just say, I'm sorry, but you were probably looking for them to be Jesus. When leaders are doing their best job to try to model the goodness of God in your life, and that's what good leadership should look like. Your walk, your empowerment on the front lines of your life, that you could take the gospel in your life into a daily rhythm that you could start to say, okay, I'm in the game. Now, when you hear elders, now here's Peter. He's already established in a different part in scripture that he, apostle. But he's also saying, I'm an elder of this body as well. Now, elder being like in an office that, that to serve a purpose for the care of the people there. And now elder, uh, when you think of city life, all right, wh- who's our elders here? We're a church plant. What's that look like? Well, here's some of our infrastructure. So we're an ARC church plant, which is a life-giving church. And what that means is the gospel is good and it is God's kindness that should lead people to repentance. And people should feel the good news, experience the good news, but hear the good news, head and heart, tied together with hands, expression, good news everywhere. Now with that structure, we have three overseers over the senior pastor, myself. And uh, my name's Jerome uh, married to Crystal. We have five kids under eight, and my daughter's hair looks like Cindy Lou this morning because we got it done at Whoville in DeWitt yesterday. Shout out to Kayla Upshaw, who invited us there. 
and $17, but now we know how to do it. So we paid 17, we have the trade secrets, we know how to get who hair for your kids. We got it, we got you, okay? Got you, unlock. And, and here's the point. So we have three overseers, and in this church we have three, you're, they, they recommend you have one senior pastor overseer, we have three senior pastor overseers. We have Brad Leach, who's my pastor of City Life Philly. We have Scott Hayes, who's senior pastor at Element Church. And then we have Tommy Colonin, which is senior pastor at Crossover Church in Florida. And then we have a board of elders, uh, part of City Life Philly, that look, uh, handle everything. We have a separate company that does the budget, looks over everything, they're doing the finances. And so that's, they get you ready. So then in year three, we start adding local elders. And here's how you find elders. Somebody here is like, oh, maybe I'm an elder. Okay, elder doesn't mean title. It means you reek like the sheep. It means it's super stinky. You're cleaning up all kinds of junk all the time. So how do you find elders? You find people elding. I loved how one person put it. Coach me said, how, how will you find your elders? I'm, oh, God. You'll find them elding. They'll be doing the Lord's work. And you'll pray and you'll ask Jesus. So we'll be looking to add local elders next year. Now, in our structure here for our volunteer team, we have staff, we have coaches, we have team leads, and then we have uh, volunteers in the dream team, and we have all of the family that any given time, we're all coming, we're all celebrating, reminding ourselves why we're different, why we're set apart, why we take an hour on a Sunday, and we come together and remind that there is something more real than what we see, Period. It's good. And so that is a little bit of us. And we don't do that um, out of like being forced to, though many times we got to check our hearts. But here's something to know about great leadership, any leadership in your life. Great leadership is always great at following. They've always followed. And if you want to be great and you want to be healthy, I'm telling you, you'll never lead well unless you follow well. It's a language issue. If you want to see where you're going in life, listen to what you say. And what you say is what's in your heart. And it often comes out, oh, I got to. She wants me to. Oh, the coach said this. Boss said this. You get to, right? We get to come together and talk about this new regenerated family that we've been engrafted in. That's big, big words for, look, we're brothers and sisters, and if we think, though, that we're Jesus to each other, we're missing who's running this thing. And we're going to be really disappointed because the brothers and sisters, they fight a lot. They do. But we have a dad, and he's a good one. And he's a great father. So we get to do this. So we have to understand, you got to put to death the ungrateful and weak sauce mindset of have to. Just kill it. Kill it. I know sometimes it's, as simple as verbiage, it can be, seem silly, we, we get to, it can seem che cheesy, but I really think though, it's because down, 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 I'm talking in the shadow, if you just oh, rip it out, down, 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 you really think you have to. And then that's scary because now you think that you have to, we think, have to do something to earn God's approval when it's all Jesus. And this is verse four. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. This is awesome because Jesus Christ is the realest leader there is. And as you've submitted to anybody on this planet, a parent, a boss, law enforcement, 
You look into uh, this nation, you can see some people, there's an uproar. Why would we submit to the uh, leaders in office, some would say? Others would say, we gotta pray for them. It's the first time somebody has proclaimed Jesus in the office in a while, and I'm not sure how we get into all these nuances, but I think the main thing is because we're missing the great shepherd. <laughs> okay, cool, we got a mini leader. I think, wait, what is that? Is this a reality show? What is this, right? And uh, it's, once, as longer I've been walking this thing out, I'm thinking, let me just look past. And, and oh, as I look past, I see Jesus dominating, loving me, affirming me, telling me what to do. Then I can look at you and say, mm, I'm submitting to Jesus, so therefore I can submit to you today. Now, does that mean we willingly get uh, abused and, and, and would partake in something that's illegal, immoral, or unethical, or unbiblical? No. But what it does mean, though, is I think we have too much confidence here today, myself included, into the system, into the rights and the rules. And I'm just not sure. And you can, we can have a conversation. Please take, take me out. I have, we have a little budget for the church where we can buy coffee every once in a while for people and have deep conversations. And, and uh, it's called, you know, pastoring the flock, if you will. And we could have a conversation and say, does Jesus promise in the New Testament that somehow that everything's going to be all rosy? I think what he promises is that he's greater than it. Pay to Caesar's what Caesar's. He was so not consumed. Was there issues in Jesus's day? His three years of prolific public ministry. Tons of issues. But yet it seemed like he didn't care. He cared deeply. But you know the one he cared about when he overthrew the tables is when people were misrepresenting God in the temple. He cared more about getting kids home than he did just us building homes. So then therefore how we serve him is now we want to build. Now we want to show his glory and we become the best law citizens abiding ever this planet's ever seen because we have a great shepherd. See how it changes our perspective, the great example that he's the realist. People talk about the why. You know, Simon Sinek, why do something? Most of the systems you've probably been a part of in your life is fear-driven systems or reward-driven systems. Reward-driven systems is this. You do this, we'll give you this. What's that sound like? Work. Degree? Here's fear. If you don't do this, here's what will happen to you. And that, there's, that's needed. We put our kids in timeout. I'm not sure there's new strategies, there's new books, and someone probably heard that and said, there's a better way. Of course there is. I'm trying to listen to new material, but it's the best one we got sometimes. See that or a backhand. And uh, a timeout felt better, right? And so go sit in timeout, and we laughed about it every once in a while, but that's the technique we got today. Some, you know, we got timeout every once in a while. Sounds like, it's almost like a huddle. Timeout, regroup, go talk to Jesus, control your spirit. What's he saying? But, 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 what did Jesus say? This is kind of a dialogue we use. So this why behind the what Simon Sinek talks about is more important because it drives your behavior in your daily activity than anything. Why are you doing it? Well, for me, what I found is this. The why is Jesus. It's just the answer to everything. Well, why serve people? Jesus did. Why well, love people? Jesus loved me. Why well, forgive? Jesus forgave me. It's really not that difficult. It just seems like it's a Jesus-centered conversation. And so if you're not uh, um, following Jesus today, you have every reason to invent anything you want. But I would say this, Jesus demands your attention because the only one that can save you from the grave. And if he's the only one that can save you and save me from the grave, then he demands all of our attention and all of our respect. Somebody, right? 
So Jesus is our why. Don't ever buy into this idea that you're not leading no matter what place you're at in an organization or whatever you're doing. You are always representing something bigger than yourself. And that's the good news of Jesus. In the gospel, we find out that each lane is great and each role is great. But the world is trying to creep into us and get us to compare, to get us to stare. And God made some of you where you need, you need to lead. You need to grab the platform. You need to grab the microphone. You need to dance. You need to do all to the glory of God that God made you to do. But recognize that you're doing it on behalf of. And when you fall or if you break a leg or something, that God's still cheering you on and he's still the audience of one right in the front row. In the same way, verse five, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. This reminds me, that God is our promotion. And as we humble ourselves, this is a different type of elder here. That first elder Peter's referencing is referring to church office. This elder is just referring to age. So young people, I know you don't like listening to older people sometimes, but you're missing the nuggets that God wants you to get because as you humble yourself, what you'll find is that God can start to promote you. As you go low, you'll watch God take you places higher. But if you go high, you'll find out that it fades. Ambition, it's healthy, but it's not the end all. It's a means to advance for God's kingdom. So I would just really want to encourage us all to, uh, when there's somebody older than you, try to listen. For real. Try to listen. It's a lost art. And if you wonder why grandparents reference millennials a lot and they can't stand you, it's probably because of that. And, um, and I can talk from both sides because I feel like I relate to both. In fact, there's a new study that just came out from if you're born in 77 to 83, uh, they've renamed you. I think it's um, X-E-N-N-I-A-N-S, whatever, Z-N-N-S, um, Zionins, um, I just took it as I'm a Christian, and it was awesome. But it was saying that this, you don't relate to either one. You're not old school baby boomers. I'm eh, not getting it. Millennial, man, you're not old school enough, but you're like that bridge. And I've always felt kind of like this hybrid. No, no, I'm telling you, there's something great about the millennials. Oh, I'm telling you, there's something great about the baby boomers. Yes, the Industrial Revolution is a little bit uh, robot-y, but I'm telling you, it's not all kumbaya sitting here watching Netflix. But I'm telling you, you know, it's just kind of like this, going back, and it's like, we can play together. And you know where we play together, where we stay together, where we pray together? It's here, the church. Come on, somebody. So God opposes the proud. Now, verse 7, this is where a lot of us get uh, hung up. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Worries here translated anxieties to in the ESV. Have you felt anxious this week? Get that text from someone you don't want to text back. I remember the first time I um, experienced anxiety on a higher level. You know, you lose your breath and stuff. I'm, I'm not anxious right now. I'm just spazzed out and I'm out of shape. You feel it. Anxiety is a real thing. I think it's crippling us more and more because now we're getting access to people 
winning all the time. It's right in front of us. We look at our life. We don't have as much as they do. There's ads galore. It's going to get so good that if you say a word about something, you're going to show up at a store or wherever you walk, and there's going to digitally, the screen will know that you're walking up, and it'll already be like the side ads on your browsing. It will just be there all the time. Anything you want is going to be in front of you all the time. You could see how sometimes even the elect would be prone to wander in the last days. ah, We can't be itching of ears. And so what is going on here, though? This is the same word that's referenced in Matthew 13. If you guys remember this, the, the farmer throws out seed and it falls on different types of soils. But one of the soils that the seed is choked up from the cares, the worries, anxieties of this world. And I think here's what's going on. Peter's reminding us, you're going to have some cares sometimes. You're going to have some worries. You're gonna have some anxieties. But here's the point. God wants you to have an open hand and recognize that he can take them because he cares about you. So cast them, just like a fisherman would, cast. And we think fishermen like this, but when they're talking fishermen then, they're thinking like a big net. And so big net, think of all of your worries right now, supernaturally, cast them upon the Lord's throne right now because he cares about you. This verse has given me so much hope. So many years. Okay, God, you can take this. You care about me. You know, and you're so busy. You didn't take it yet. It's not how it works. It really works like this, I think. God, why do I care so much about this? What's the reason? I want their attention or it'll be more validating. I'm afraid of the conflict. And what he starts to show you is he already went before every step of the way. And you see that he's caring about you all the time. God's giving his best. God is there and cares all the time but you can't walk around with a closed fist with your cares. You can't hide them. You gotta let them go. You've heard the quote maybe, if you worry, don't pray. And if you pray, don't worry. There's an element of truth to that. Because when you pray, what you're saying is, God, you're over this. The Psalms are filled with a bunch of cares. I'm surrounded by enemies. Why is all of these people prospering? They're living different than I want to live. I want to live holy, but yet they're tempting me to live this way, but it seems as if they're advancing. But, oh, I remember your steadfast love. They always end with the mindset. And so we have to now, as we conclude, wrapping this up, time's sake, I really wish I could go longer, but I hope that you're intrigued enough to read this yourself. That first Peter would not be a sermon you hear, but it would be a sermon you live. It says, stay alert. It's like a military mindset, war mode. Think adrenaline. To be sober-minded, a slow soul in the zone. It's said with athletes, when you're in the zone, that this hoop becomes this big. Football, or basketball players specifically. Shooting it. So big. In the zone. When we're in the zone, it means that we're watching out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But we stand firm against him. And we're strong in our, your faith. How do we fight? Faith. Faith in who? Jesus. There is 
a stupid liar all the time. Satan is always accusing you. He's always slandering you. He's telling you you're never good enough. He's getting you to question your position before God. He wants to tell you that you failed. You turn on the TV, you don't have to wonder if he's real or not. There's another bombing, another shooting. Where does that come from? And the next question, well, where's God in this? Well, we know that it can't be that he wouldn't suffer for us because he sent his son, fully God, fully man, to suffer so that we wouldn't have to forever. So we may not understand his timing in the moment of instances of radical, wicked display, but we can be assured we know that God cares because he suffered for us. Verse 9 Grab a piece of it. It says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. This question I've asked too often in my life, am I the only one? Friends, this morning, I want to tell you, you're not the only one. The Lord has reserved for himself a remnant of people that in any type of war, uh, any type of chaos, that they're preserved as holy in saying, Jesus, be glorified in my life. And the Christians that carried this message out from Peter that were persecuted so that we could come here and hill and worship, it was worth it. And they never got a trophy on earth, but they got an eternal crown that never fades, Jesus. So I think this is really reassuring for us to say, remember that there's all kinds of people suffering There's people that are in Muslim countries converting to Christianity and now they're disowned by their family. There's people in college that that won't just get drunk and they won't just sleep with their boyfriends and they're saying, no, I'm different. There's single moms that say, "Mm, no, I don't need this deadbeat boyfriend. I'm gonna take care of my family because I'm different. You have to remember that you are not alone. That will give you confidence to live different. And as we conclude the chapter, it says, in his kindness, God has called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you, support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation, all power to him forever. Amen. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. What were they experiencing? Nero's rule, burning people, blaming the fire in the city on Christians, persecuted, outcast, taken away from their family, resources, jobs, What would happen in our country if it all does hit the fan? I'm not excited about that thought. I'm not trying to provoke suffering. What I'm trying to say, though, is I think we have a duty and a responsibility to come together and talk truth. And truth is this. It doesn't matter what's happening. That does not dictate where we're going. Where we're going is a new home forever. Because life is short, but eternity isn't. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Now greet each other with a holy kiss of love.
Peace be with you all who are in Christ Jesus. I want to pray for us as we wrap up uh, this book, letter specific. And uh, that last verse, peace be with you all, of peace be with all of you who are in Christ. I think there's many of us that we need to exchange our cares, our worries, our anxieties for peace. And there's some that are on the outside that you need to get in Christ. And why would you want to be in Christ? Well, here's what it looks like. When wrath comes, that God is so holy and so perfect, he's going to set all of what was wrong right. And so that means since he's so right, so good, doesn't go against his character ever, that he is going to destroy the works of Satan and all of the wicked following behavior that he has. He's just going to wipe them out. But we got entangled in this mess when we sinned. And the gospel is oh so bad if you don't know how oh so good it is. And oh so bad meaning this, that sin separates us from God forever. We can't do anything about it. We're born into it. It, You don't have to teach a baby how to lie, but you do have to teach him how to obey. They'll figure out a way. Okay, toddler. And when you're in Christ, here's what happens. You're not under that wrath anymore, but you come under the protection of the one who was perfect and was the sacrifice who paid for you and me. The payment, the substitute, so that we could be at one meant harmony with God. Let's pray. Jesus, in this room is uh, a lot of cares, a lot of worries, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of what ifs, a lot of dreams. I pray that all of it, though, would be calibrated through this fire of holiness, this fire of trials, this fire of joy, and that as we give you our cares, we give you our worries, we give you our dreams, we give you our lives, we trust that as the great shepherd, you'll take every effort we do, you'll utilize what's right, and you'll lead keep leading us. God, I pray your peace upon your people this morning. And for somebody here that's just been waiting too long to get in Jesus, it's simple. Jesus, take my life and believe him and trust him in faith. And don't ever look back. You'll make mistakes, you'll have ups and downs, but I pray that you'll trust how good the good news is that you don't have to pay, you don't have to earn, or or you don't have to work for the family anymore to stay in, but you're in because you're in because you're in because of Jesus, and then you're in because you're in because you're in because of Jesus. And that truth would transform your life to live with purpose, not fear, not reward, but purpose every single day for the greater home because we are different. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.